So I've got four points, but we might only get through three because I'm like um, a person who prepares, you know, a lot. And uh, so you've got, uh, my husband does a lot when he prepares a meal, he just goes to a lot of trouble. I go to a lot of trouble when I prepare a preach, so much so that I've probably got enough here for three preachers. So I sent the guys all sorts of stuff, but we're four points. The four points we're going to cover, but you might miss out on the last one, but you can, heck, you can have me back, you know? Um, it's always good to leave a little bit of appetite for the last thing. So the points we're going to cover are who gave us our soul, what is our soul, and the last one, uh, the third one was, why is there such a struggle in our soul? And the fourth one that we probably won't get tonight, but you can look at the notes later, is how to live during a soul renovation. So who gave us our soul? Well, it says in Genesis 2, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We look to the Bible, don't we, to find out who gave us our soul. We don't look to the world, we look to the Bible. Now, we did a renovation recently, well, not recently, about 12 years ago now. It seems recent, but it's a long time. In fact, the bathroom's looking a bit old now. You know, at the time, it's gorgeous, all the money you spend on the lights and everything. But we, when you're doing a renovation, who would say, what's one of the most important things? Anyone know what's the most important thing? The builder. Now, the builder, you don't just want to get any builder that maybe a neighbor recommended. You want to get a builder who's got a good license, who's got, you know, you can check on the internet, you want to read their reviews, you might want to see their previous work uh, to make sure that the deck that they're building you is going to stand when you have that wonderful 21st party for your son, that it's not going to collapse. So I want to give you a Google review on God tonight, okay? He is, I've known him since I was 13. So I can give you a great review that he is the best restorer of souls in need of renovation. Amen? Can anyone agree? Are you an amen, people? Amen. I've got two girls here. Are you saved? <laughs> How is your soul tonight? And what am I talking about when I say soul? Where is it? You know, is it in our hand? Is it in our foot? Where is our soul? What is our soul? Well, the Bible says that every man, woman, and child is made up of three parts, a soul, a spirit, and a body. 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Now may the God of peace, aren't you glad he's a God of peace? Yeah. The God of peace. Right. Isn't that beautiful? He's a God of peace. Yeah. I think it's what people are looking for in the world, it's peace in their soul. Yeah. The God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible refers to this outer, like an outer self, which is made up of our body and our soul, and our inner self, which is our spirit. So God gave us our soul. Well, what is our soul? Our soul, basically, it says in that word in Genesis, um, we know the Old Testament's written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek, well, that word in Genesis for soul is nepes, which means your self-life, or the seat of your emotions or your passions. It's your mind. So we can know that in, uh, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So just as we are made up of three parts, a body, a soul, and a spirit, our soul has three parts. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. I think God likes threes, eh? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, spirit, soul, body, mind, will, emotions. You know, Jesus pulled no punches when he talked about the soul. There's that famous verse and Jesus says, what does it profit a man or a woman or a child to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? When it comes to your death, what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? 
It says those who cling to control their life will give up true life. There's in Matthew 10, he says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Let's just say that again. That's a not very politically correct, is it? (laughs) You could say that on social media. Then you go, what are you talking about? Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And you know, interestingly, when I was studying this out in the Greek, that word for life is the same word that Jesus uses for soul. So you could use, you could replace that whoever finds their soul, whoever goes to chase after things to, to find their soul, to find their inner life, to find themselves, will actually lose themselves. But whoever loses their soul for my sake will find it. You know, before we became into relationship with God, our spirit was cut off from God. We weren't just bad, we were actually dead, cut off from God. Adam and Eve were told that if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. They listened to the devil and they were led by their souls. So our mind, our will, our emotions. They were led by their soul and their body. What looked good to their eyes? What what sounded good to their mind? And they did die, not physically straight away, but the curse of sin broke their relationship with God immediately. You know, it says when we're not in relationship with God, the Bible says we're dead. We don't have connection with him. But the wonderful thing it says in Ephesians that God, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, he made us alive with God. Even when we were dead in our sin, he saved us. He sent his grace and he saved us. So isn't that so wonderful that we now are in relationship with God, our soul, our spirit, our body, we've been made new. So we look at points. God gave us our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Point number three, why is there this fight in our soul? Well, one reason is that it's a struggle is because we haven't really settled the dead bit. What do I mean by that? Well, it says when you were made alive to Christ, but sometimes we keep like this back door open. You know, option B? You know, we keep that open just in case it doesn't work out. You know, and it's like we don't reckon ourselves. The Bible says we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin, and that's a daily choice. The Bible says you were crucified with Christ. You died. Did you really die? You died, and your new life is now hidden in Christ. So that's a reality in heaven, but we have to bring our soul into alignment with that. There's a Who Loves the Princess Bride movie. Anyone seen the Princess Bride movie? What an iconic movie. I love the Princess Mark Bride. Well, there's a famous quote in there from Miracle Max because Wesley's there and he's, you know, probably dead. And they bring him to Miracle Max and Miracle Max says, well, there's dead and there's mostly dead. And uh, mostly dead means he's slightly alive. All dead, well, there's only one thing to do, which is go through his pocket and get any loose change. No, it's actually for to be buried. Like when we're dead, we're to be buried. In fact, this morning at church, we had five people get baptized. So that symbolized them going in there and being buried. Amen? So that's what we're to be. We were buried and now we're alive. So that's a daily thing. It says in Romans 6 that you must count, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So your old life died and now we have a new life in Christ. You know, when Fred was a kid, um, we used to, he and I used to enjoy wrestling and Robert used to always say, it's going to end in tears, you know, and um, I would wrestling because I was, he, he, Fred used to say, you're small but you're wiry. You know, I don't look particularly strong but I grew up, I'm the youngest of four and um, 
and I, now I can still get him onto the floor just by bending his little finger back, you know, it still works. But in those days we would wrestle uh, until he was about 13 when he was too strong and I would sit on him and uh, they would be like, yeah, I'm the winner and get off me mum. And uh, so, I know that sounds strange but that's what we do. And, I, and sometimes I like that analogy because we need to use our will to wrestle our soul metaphorically onto the ground and allow the Holy Spirit to sit on it and be in charge. Amen? You know, I also picture my inner world a bit like a classroom. And uh, so if if I could have had props, I probably could have, I could have said three chairs. So in this classroom, let's just imagine, this is your inside world, okay? And in the classroom, we've got a chair over here where is the body, and another chair is the mind, and another chair is the emotions, and the will is over here quite passively just observing the anarchy that's going on. And then the Holy Spirit walks into the classroom and takes charge. And the emotions in the body and the mind don't really like the change. And so sometimes there's quite a fight on the inside with the body going, I I know I said I'd get up and read my Bible, but I'm really too tired. Or emotions might go, I'm just, you just don't know what's going on in my world at the moment, you know? But it says if you listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and so I say to my emotions, I say to my mind, you know what, I'm hearing you. I'm here in your body, but the Holy Spirit is in charge and you're just going to sit down and shut up. (laughs) You're just going to sit down and shut up and just listen to what the Holy Spirit has got to say. If you listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and say yes, and then you can use your will to talk to your mind, and you know, we sometimes think emotions just happen out of nowhere, but they don't. They follow a thought. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy is really just based on biblical principles that you know you you think something and then you feel something and then often then you act something so if we can change what we think we can also bring our emotions into line and this the bible says we will find life and peace the mind that sets itself on the spirit will experience life and peace but don't get me wrong our soul is not our enemy you might be thinking oh she's been a bit hard on the soul if we are saved our soul loves god but it's a bit like a moody adolescent, sort of living under your skin. It's just like, oh, really? It's used to being in charge. You know, I made a commitment to Jesus when I was 13 at a Church of Christ in Western Australia. But I struggled for many years because I didn't read my Bible. And so my mind did not get renewed. I thought, though I was alive to God and had a relationship with Jesus, I actually still lived in many, many old habits. So I mostly really let my soul and my body lead my life. Whatever my body wanted to do, we did. The soul wanted to do this, we did this, you know. And God was just over here, but he wasn't really directing my life. The Bible actually says the Christian who allows their soul, their mind, their will and emotions to call the shots is actually called a carnal Christian. And Paul said, you know, you should be teachers by now. I should be able to speak to you all this great stuff, but I can't because you're carnal. You are thinking like a mere human. And um, so in those who allow their body to call the shots are actually called fleshy Christians. They never mature. They forever stay on the milk. They don't actually get onto the meat of the word. Graham Cook says in his book, Towards an um, Amazing Inner Life, he said, to be saved, the soul must come to the cross. Yeah. So he comes up to the cross. It's not to be destroyed, but it's to give up its right to rule. Yeah. Because before we were saved, our soul rules, our body rules. But now we're saved, we need to bring our soul to the cross and only then can it be liberated. Salvation is a process. It's one of those things we are saved, we are being saved, 
and we will be saved. We've got that sanctifying process going on. So we need to constantly examine our lives and see what part of it needs to go before the cross to be saved. So I'm asking you tonight, ask yourself that question, how is my soul? Is there things that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on in my life that I need to bring to the cross? Yeah. You know, it's one thing to make Jesus saviour, it's another to make him Lord. And there's a, you know, it says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's conditional. It's where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So where the spirit is directing your life, you'll have life and peace. So if you're not, and there's a big struggle there, you need to ask yourself, and I mean, that happens. That's not like no condemnation, that happens. But we need it where he teaches us. So a summary of why there is this fight in our soul. We have an enemy. The Bible says clearly we have an enemy. 1 Peter 5, it says, Be sober, be minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You did belong to the devil, but now you're not in his territory anymore. So you're a threat to him. So it's no, we don't need to be surprised at the fight. You know, you don't go, what's happening? There's a fight. Yeah, it's a battle. The Bible clearly says you're a soldier. You've been called into a battle. Two, we live in this world. Pastor Sam preached a great word. I've stalked him. I've listened to some of your preachers. A great preach the other week about living in this world in the Elephant in the Room series. And I love what you guys do. And they're so inspired by your work in the community and what Sam, Pastor Sam preached about how we need to be in the world. We're not of the world, but we've got to be in it. We've got to be having a discussion. People have got to be able to see us. You know, and... Um, the third reason why it's such a struggle, which is the, really the main thing that I really want to focus on, is we have a new chain of command. You know, Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, you know, when we get a new government, new prime minister, he chooses a new cabinet, doesn't he? Yeah? yeah? Well, when you got saved, you got a new government, a new prime minister. And he has brought in his government into your life, into your life. He says that Jesus is the prince of peace and the government will be on his shoulders. So he said the kingdom of God is within you. So you have this kingdom on the inside with a new king and a new set of government. But we, you know, when the king comes in with his new cabinet, I don't know about you, but sometimes my body, my soul and my mind can conspire against this new government. They're a bit like the hecklers on the back bench going, yeah, whatever, you didn't do that, what about this, and la, 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 always heckling. But the new government of a born-again Christian. So let's just go through who's supposed to be in charge, okay? The Holy Spirit, we're born again. He comes in and he fills our spirit. Our spirit is alive to God. We were cut off to God and now we're alive to God. So our renewed spirit is to, uh, the Holy Spirit governs our spirit. Together, they govern. That's the new government through our spirit. We, says, Jesus said, those who worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. So he connects with our spirit. And our spirit is then to govern our mind. So our mind gets wisdom from the Holy Spirit. You know, I love it. What I thought about this during the week, you know, Jesus um, only did he, the things he heard the Father say, didn't he? And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal to you all things. He will only say what he hears. So isn't that beautiful? They have a submission to one another. Jesus submitted to the Holy Spirit's work in his life, and he submitted to the Father. So the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, and our spirit speaks to our mind, and our mind is to submit to that, to, and that's how it gets renewed. 
And then our renewed mind, renewed mind activates our will to govern our body and our emotions. So a Christian actually uses his soul as a bit of a vehicle for his spirit. You know, it's our soul is where all the creativity, the beauty, the worship, the painting, we express God's love and his incredible majesty through our soul, but it's got to be renewed to do that. So we know that our soul is not our enemy. It's just that our soul often doesn't want to meet God on God's terms. Have you ever heard yourself say, I won't really want God to do things for me. It's just that I want to run my own life. You know, have you, or I want to live how I want to live. You know, I know I do want to do that at church, but this week or this day, I want to live how I want to live. Sometimes we can relegate God, or our soul can want to relegate God to like an insurance policy. You know, it's great. I don't actually need it now. I might do one day, but I don't really need it at the moment. I'm coping really well. I'm in control here. Otherwise, he's locked away in a safety deposit box. But of course, that's not what he, God is for. Our soul is actually designed to serve to serve our spirit. So God gives that, develops our faith to rule over our feelings. And what I love about faith is actually it's very cold-blooded. It has actually no emotion attached to it. You can believe something, and I'm sure Pastor Sam will be able to testify to this with his journey. Even though he didn't feel it, he believed what God was saying. So I thought I'd share a few vulnerable stories. So Rob and I had an argument. I know it's a surprise, you know? Nobody argues here, do they? We only argue at our church, yeah. So we had an argument, um, and I said some things, he said some things, I woke up a bit grumpy, huffed, huffed off to the bedroom, slammed the door, uh, sat down, arms crossed like a sulky teenager, uh, steam coming out of my ears, ready to breathe some fire. How dare he speak to me like that? I won't have it, it's not okay. And I pull down the shutters in my soul. That ever happened with you when you're in a bad mood? It's like you pull down the shutters, and when you do that, it's actually quite dark on the inside. You find that when you pull the blinds down? It's quite dark. And, um, and all sorts of emotions are swirling around, tears, anger. I'm like, oh, I hate feeling like this. And I pray. Even in the middle of all that, you can pray. And I prayed and I said, God, help me. Please help me, Lord. I don't want to feel like this. And it's like the Holy Spirit comes and he knocks on the shutters and goes, can we open up here a little bit? open up the shutters just a little bit and he shines his torch in a little bit of light comes in and he said you know what it's true you did wake up grumpy I did not (laughs) you did wake up grumpy and you did dump on Rob this morning you know how you can do that sometimes you just like beware world I got out of the wrong side of the bed today and um and I say actually you're right God I did I did actually I did do that and if, I, if you just humble yourself and say sorry, um, you know, this can all be resolved. If you'll actually just maybe wave the white flag, this could be resolved. And um, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to take responsibility for what I did. And Rob came in, he smiled, I smiled, we said sorry, the compass is reset for the day. You know, when the soul is in control, the castle of my life is often left open to attack. I I liken my life also to like a castle with the drawbridges. And the soul can often want to let down the drawbridge. Just some old friends, you know, used to be old friends. They're still very comfortable to have around. A bit of self-pity, a bit of offense, a bit of despair. It's comfortable because we've known them. But if we bring our soul under the control of the Holy Spirit, he helps shut those gates to the enemy. The soul left open and in charge is a bit like a lone ranger, a loose cannon. You know, with my many years nursing, one of the most scary nurses to work with are those who are lone rangers. They don't work as a team, 
they're like, they just are, are different. They don't, their rules, the rules don't apply to them, you know. They, they just know how to do things differently. And it's like, they're just like, you never know what they're going to do next. And that's a bit like our soul when it's not submitted to the Holy Spirit. It's a random soldier, a bit like ready to not trust the captain, mutiny waiting to happen. When nobody is looking, they'll let the drawbridge down to the enemy. But if we can learn to submit our outer man to our inner man, to the spirit, nothing from the outside world will be able to shake who we are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? So the Holy Spirit is about renovating your soul. What is he working on in your life at the moment? Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe it's your over-analytical mind. Trying to understand everything logically before you commit yourself to trusting God. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe you didn't realize that your will actually has a very active part to play. One of the most powerful things we have is our choice to choose. To choose to surrender. Jesus has moved in the king of your heart. You are not in this alone. It's about being in relationships with him. I want to share one more story with you. Our feelings can sometimes scare us. And I believe tonight there's some of you here that you are a bit overwhelmed with some of the things that are going on in your soul. Recently, I found in my life that there was a wound in my heart that had not fully healed. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we can get a little bit of dirt in a wound and it doesn't, heals over. But invariably, that bit of dirt has to find its way out again. And we've got some people in our church going through some infertility issues. And Rob and I had many years walking through that journey. And I thought I was all healed over that. And then things get up. Sometimes there's a perfect storm, different pressures, different disappointments. And um, I ended up being not in a very good place. And I remember saying to Rob, I think we're being set up here. This is just all a bit too weird. You know, one thing after another, old memories surface, pressures within myself. And um, often when we feel like that, the enemy can come in and take advantage of the situation. Spirits, intimidation and fear can come, fear of shame, fear of the unknown. And often when that happens, we can become quite paralyzed in our decision-making because our body is actually responding to panic. And so it stimulates that fight or flight response because it thinks that there's a very real threat. And often these things happen at not very convenient times. Anyone find that? You know, you're just like, this is not very convenient. And it was at our album launch. Loads of people, big celebration. And I'm just in a bad way to build up over a few weeks. And I thought, I'll go. You know, thankfully I've got my mask. Figuratively and metaphorically, I mean, literally I've got masks, but I can like, I can do this. I can be happy. I can go. But actually there were some really dark thoughts going through my head. And I knew it was an enemy attack, but I also had let knew, you know, there's the enemy, but then there's our part. And I had let my emotions have a heyday. You know, sometimes as a parent, you get pretty tired and you can like, just want to let the kids just run riot, you know, just sit back. And when you do that, what happens? Just like, the lounge gets pulled out, things get pulled out of the cupboard. And that's a bit like our emotions sometimes. When we pull back and don't take charge, they can be really all over the place. So I felt like I'd opted out a bit. I said, I'm just opting out for a little bit, you know. Um, but that's a scary place. And as a mental health nurse, I've seen too many people dance that dance too close to the cliff edge. Often, they're not planning to take their life. They just want to see how sad they can feel. They want to see how much pain they can feel and if anybody's going to see their pain. 
I was in the worship, and Jesse Rose um, started to sing our worship pastor, and I was got this fight on the inside. And I said, "Lord, I want to surrender. I really do. I want to, uh, Lord. I don't. I, I knew if I went home, I, like the voices in my head were going, just leave. You know, just leave. Just go get in the car and drive." Um, and I said, God, no, I knew that, that if I did that, that would be a dangerous thing to do because I knew that there was a real attack going on against us because also where we were going as a church. And um, so I lifted my hands and we, how do we, you know, we know as when we lift our hands, something, when we do something physical like that, something happens in our spirit. And we know because lifting our hands is a sign of surrender, isn't it? So I lifting my hands and Jesse started to sing, fear is leaving the room. And I'd say that tonight, fear is leaving the room. If fear has held you, I'm saying right now, fear is leaving the room. You do not have to be held by fear. And as you're saying that, I, you know how like sometimes you can catch the wind of the Spirit? And I caught that word of faith and I started to sing. And I said, fear, you're leaving the room. Fear, you're leaving the room. And immediately my knee bowed, the soul bowed. And I was back into alignment with God. And I... And I was able to sing and it was just all that heaviness and intimidation and fear left. What I learned from that is that I definitely needed some help as well to heal that wound that I thought was healed and that had broken open to some other circumstances. So that week I rang our pastors in Perth. And what I'm saying here is obviously don't ignore the signs when you need help. Um, and she prayed with me and led me in some prayer to close some doors that I'd opened. And that doesn't have to be, you know, big major 10 years counseling. It can be just like that. Let's close some doors here. Let's do some repenting. Let's do some healing. And I also shared it with our team because it's really important to be armor bearers with another. We're not lone rangers. We're family. And it's important to be able to share. So what I'm learning from this is that God is not afraid of the process. He's not afraid of our brokenness or my brokenness. He's not afraid of your brokenness. In fact, that is his, he wants to take our soul on a journey of learning to be broken and learning to be dependent upon the Lord. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are on the inside of you. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you and we can surrender because we know who God is. Amen? He's a good, good father.